I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Comedy on Vinyl. This week, we're not talking about a specific album or a specific year, but we are pretty much talking about Weird Al and the band with Bermuda Schwartz returning. Thank you so much for being here. Hi there. Thanks, Jason. For those who don't know, you have been drumming with Al from the beginning. You have been his archivist since how long? From Have you really been archiving from the beginning? I can't remember. The, the night I met him, I kept the uh, the little card that That's was right. the, uh, the security pass for KMET. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Dr. Demento did his show. I still have that card. It's actually in pristine condition. I and I saved I saved that even before I knew there was a reason to save stuff. So I just I've always saved things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is this is the way it pays off because you know there's gonna be a day when this all goes to a museum, I would imagine. And that museum's gonna have everything. Everything they would ever want. Well, that would be Al's daughter will open that museum and or yeah. she'll throw it all out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll that that is always the danger. Whenever I find, <laughs> whenever I find out either some organization that doesn't know what they're doing gets a hold of an archive or somebody who doesn't care, I'm like, oh no, oh no, what's going to happen to it? <laughs> no, it'll 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 stay in the family, as That's it were. Good. That's good. And uh, you know, there are plenty of of extremely dedicated fans and friends that would be very happy to take that on if uh, Nina and Suzanne don't want to do that. Yeah, of course. There's, but there's so much. Um, and I think last time you were on, you were about to do the uh, the Vanity Tour, uh, as it were, if I'm not mistaken, because you were telling me that, oh, it's just going to be, it's all going to be deep cuts. It's all going to be originals. Oh, and okay. I was, I yeah, was then that so would have been late 2017, early 2018, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well... Uh, so well, good. we could pick it up from there. A lot has happened since then. Please, let's let's do let and let's talk about the the history of of the group since the the album era is over. Not a lot of of groups really can say we're done with albums, but you know. Well, and and get away with it, yeah. yeah right. Uh, right. <laughs> we we can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you know what? Most most artists uh, can certainly do that, uh, and and can uh, put out songs as as they want. They can put out singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Labels don't really like to do singles, uh, and uh, you know, so they would when it was time. You know, if Al wanted an album, he had to have ten or eleven or twelve songs, and then that constituted an album. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he had one brilliant idea for a single, you know, they wouldn't touch it because it's like, well, where's the other eleven songs? Yeah. So now, uh, without the the a label being in the picture, uh, Al can record something and have it uh, out like in in days, in a matter of days, mm-hmm. like hours. And, uh, you know, that just wasn't possible with uh, with the label. And uh, with the label, you can cook up an album. That doesn't mean it's going to sell. Right. That's the other half of the equation is, you know, you've you've put this product out, uh, physical or not, and it doesn't mean it's really going to sell. And, you know, there's there's a few reasons for that. You know, well, there's one main reason. Mm -hmm. People can get stuff basically for free, you know, on on YouTube. Yeah. And and it's just. You know, it's there, and YouTube, uh, Google, does nothing to stop that. No, no, and and it's uh, you know, it's way beyond file sharing. It's just, it's just giving it away for sure. And, and there's really, I mean, you know, and and not just music, uh, you know, and music videos, uh, TV shows, movies, documentaries, etc. Um, you know, it's just, it's it's a free for all out there. So, it's not to say things don't have value, but if you're sitting in front of your computer, you really it's it's hard you're hard pressed to get someone to pay for your work 
Oh, yeah. You know, uh, if they go to a movie theater, they have to pay to get in the door. They go to a concert, they have to pay to walk in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, they want a T-shirt or something, they have to pay for the shirt. That hasn't changed, you know, mm-hmm. in our lifetime yet. Hopefully <laughs> it won't. Right. So live performance uh, is still the way to make money. And honestly, that's how we've been making money. And a lot of groups have been making money as record sales have declined. The uh, live performance has taken over as a main source of income. Merchandise has become a very integral part of stuff. It's gone way beyond just Mm -hmm. t-shirts, even with Al. Sure. Uh, I mean, we started out, I think in 84, we had a a (laughs) t-shirt and and it was roughly the the, uh, in 3D cover of Al in the picture frame. And we were on tour. We were actually out with Dr. Demento. Uh, We were like, we were part of his show. It wasn't even an Al tour. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Demento was in that frame and Al was in the frame and that was the t-shirt. It was like a white shirt with a, a red ring neck collar mm-hmm. and that was it. Well, we went back out in the summer without Dr. Demento and all suddenly Al gets moved into the middle of the frame by himself and then that became the t-shirt. That's and then we added more shirts and we had mugs and keychains and posters and all mm-hmm. sorts of, you know, all sorts of other stuff. So that's become an integral part of, of how uh, bands and artists make money. Mm-hmm. now and and that's that's still a, a viable thing that's still a good thing and that's not to discourage anyone from going out and wanting to be an artist and create sure it's just you you don't do that with the idea of selling product you you uh do it because you love it mm-hmm. and you do it uh if you intend to make money if you want to make it a commercial venture it's got to be something that people will pay to come see mm-hmm. you know or or maybe they'll pay for it i don't know you know mm-hmm. uh, even a taylor swift or justin bieber or bts don't sell actual product the way they used to. Right. They right. sell a couple of million units. That that means that would have been a 10 or 15 million units, you know, 20 years ago. Sure. So it's really the landscape has changed. But when they go out on the road, that's where the money is. And that's where it is for us. So long story short, you know, <laughs> we can get away without having a label. And we had two of our most successful tours ever, three of our most successful tours ever oh, yeah. after leaving the label. Mm-hmm. So mandatory fun, the uh, the uh, uh, No Frills Tour, the Vanity Tour, mm-hmm. and then Strings Attached Tour. We played some of the biggest attended shows, some of the biggest venues ever, you know, a- after the label. So, you know, and, yeah. and without really any new material. I feel like but, the danger, too, when you were making when you were making records and if it didn't sell enough for whatever reason, which is not always a which is not always a comment on the quality of the work that's then gives the label an excuse to not promote you as well, which then, of course, screws you over further. Right. Well, and that did happen a couple of times with uh, us. I mean, there were a couple of uh, notoriously bad sellers in, in I'm not bad sellers, bad charting albums. Sure. And there's a difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had a number one album in 2014 with one of our lowest selling albums. That's interesting. So it's just, yeah. you know, chart position is, is a relative thing, but that ties in with radio and promotion and ultimately touring, you know, popularity. And yeah, we have our fan base, but we'd like to keep our fingers out beyond that as well. Of course. Uh, so yeah, uh, Polka Party was a notoriously bad seller. And I say that meaning it did not go gold. Yeah. So that yeah, yeah, means, yeah. And, and traditionally our albums went gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think UHF also never uh, sold extremely well. Huh. And those are sort of, those are at the bottom of the list of, uh, in terms of actual n- numbers and probably chart position at the time. Mm-hmm. But again, there was a point where chart position really didn't tie into sales or it did, it tied into relative sales, but you know, we had just over a hundred thousand units mm-hmm. that first week and we had number one album with that. Well, wow. yeah. hundred thousand units 20 years ago would have been like, eh, <laughs> eh, you guys are, 
you're on your way out, you know. Right, right. So it's all it's all relative. Sure, of course. And I mean, it's by the way, it's it's crazy looking at the wall behind you and all of the <laughs> insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know that's not all of them. No, but we've we've had a very uh, a very uh, nice career. A lot of people have bought uh, you know the albums and and much appreciated for that. What are the ones that look like reel to reels? What are those particular awards? Those are uh, Ampex uh, Tape Company mm -hmm. wanted to get in on the whole you know recognition thing mm -hmm. and and wanted to uh, you know since since the RIAA Recording Industry Association of America issued uh, gold and platinum albums. The tape company, you know, for those albums that were recorded on their tape, they wanted to issue something as well, just so they could have oh, something wow. on the wall too. Oh wow! And so those are those are called golden reels, and I I assumed that there would be platinum reels. Sure. Uh, you know, and and eventually there were no reels. That's crazy. That's so <laughs> as, funny. As they gradually went out of business, actually, someone else is—I forget the name—it's some preposterous name, <laughs> but they've taken over as tape has become sort of popular again. Okay. There, so Syner, synergy or something like that of course, is, is of course, the name. something crazy <laughs> yeah and and uh quantity that's what it is quantity, quantity. <laughs> nothing to do with i guess ampex mean? didn't either but sure and and uh but yeah so those are sort of uh you know mm. there's there's five of those that i have that's and those are kind of uh you know that was their their way of getting in on it mm-hmm do you, is it safe to assume that in in the archives do you also have like old uh i know that we've talked a bit about merch but do you have all the all the shirts going back to that first one every shirt that's great uh, every version of every shirt mm -hmm. every shirt if it had a misprint oh, uh sure. they made sure i got one for the archive uh now i don't have every size in every shirt of I course a little but i have i have a represent i have i have one size you know whatever large or whatever it is mm -hmm. in every shirt i've every mug every keychain every hat Every mm -hmm. uh, whatever, every sticker, yeah, every little thing that was sold, wow. uh, I have one. I also have. Uh, we've we've come across some bootleg stuff, and uh, oh, sure. where we've able been able to get some. So there were actually some uh, as early as 1984. People were trying to rip Al off. So there's <laughs> there was uh, actually I, I may have the only the only one of these. There was a pair of like frilly lace black panties. Uh huh. That said, eat it on there oh my god so i have i have that of course you have to have <laughs> like because why not you know oh yeah nina will be uh impressed when she opens that up oh sure. look at these shirts oh look at oh yeah oh pennies <laughs> <laughs> that's remarkable anyway, but there there have been some bootleg t-shirts and some other stuff like that and just, sure and where i can i i get those you know there have been some bootleg tapes Oh, things like that yeah and and where i can again i, I get those you know i mm -hmm. try and get those and uh you know or some sort of gray market things like coming from the philippines there's a lot of that kind of stuff where they mm -hmm. sort of put the a label's name you know the asian label which was back in the day was pony canyon uh-huh uh, was was part of uh cbs distribution so mm -hmm. in the philippines they would have something like that and then they would like use that name and pretend it was legit and anyway so that stuff over the years i mean i've been on ebay for you know, more than 20 years scooping this stuff up where I yeah. can. And uh, I've got, I've got, you know, an impressive amount of stuff from around the world, legit and otherwise promo and otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what makes up a lot of the archive. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of, you know, all of the promo photos. Um, just, you know, uh, also part of the archive is, is all the audio stuff, uh, outtakes and things, you know, back oh, in the day when, God, yeah. when, uh, 
you know, I would just be having a cassette run in the background while we were in the studio. Oh, wow. So a lot of things got put to tape. And then it's like, now nah, let's do another take. And then they would just go over it. Oh, wow. So it was, it doesn't exist anywhere. Oh except my it's on my, it's on my tape. Any studio chatter, like the tape had stopped rolling and, mm-hmm. and the, you know, uh, Al or Rick Derringer or Tony at the, at the board would talk to us and he'd press his little, you know, okay. Oh, I need you to take that again. You know, well, that would all go to tape. And part of that, you can hear a little bit of that mm-hmm. is, uh, I, 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 on this book that I, uh, uh authored last year black mm-hmm. and white and weird all over yeah uh there's there are promo videos for that and there's a promo video for the ricky chapter mm-hmm. and it's a it's a look at a bunch of the pictures but the audio is is this basic is like al talking to tress doing the ricky part oh, and you God. hear you hear the music start and you think you're listening to the song and then all of a sudden the tape stops and you hear al talking to tress and it's <laughs> you know about about the inflection on you know let me be in your show Oh know, my God. Let, let me be in your show or whatever, whatever it is. And you hear anyway, that's, that's not on tape, but it's on my tape. Wow. So that, like, and that's all, that's all been digitized as well. So it's all and backed up like five different ways. Of course, so everything is safe and archived. It's in a database. I can go right to whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I'm in the process of doing that right now with uh, all my 35 millimeter negatives. Saw that. Oh my God. So and, much stuff. And that's, that's uh a very daunting and satisfying and and interesting project. And I'm seeing a lot of stuff where back in the day, I, I very often I, I tried to make copies, get two sets of pictures, one set that I would keep, and the other set, whoever was in the photo, I'd give them that picture. That's great. Well, there was also a point where I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And if I had a picture of someone or something and I gave that to him, I never kept the picture. And unless I looked at the negative, I never had a hard copy. Well, now I'm looking at the negatives. I'm seeing a lot of stuff that... I don't have a hard copy of and that I completely forgotten about that are really cool photos, Mm -hmm. you know, really, really interesting, you know, because I used to just shoot a lot of stuff and some of it not so interesting. And if I gave a copy to somebody, it's because I thought they wouldn't want it. I thought it was a cool photo or they thought it was a cool photo and I gave it to them. So I'm seeing a lot of stuff again for the first time in like 35 plus years. That's crazy. And I'm right now, I'm right in the... 1986 era i think oh. i just got out of 1985 in the stupid tour <laughs> i'm in 86 april of 86 we're in the studio for polka party i'm right in right in that period how and, many uh, reels were you shooting or how many rolls were you shooting a year or a month or a week like it, can you it, estimate? It, it varied it varied from 1984 wow. to 1994 i shot a lot yeah, yeah. a lot of rolls uh i mean i it, it just it, it varied you know um mm-hmm. uh, on, on tour, I would shoot a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the studio or on a video set, I would shoot a lot. And sometimes a month or two would go by and I'd do nothing at all. I'd shoot nothing at all. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe one of my other bands wasn't doing anything or Al wasn't doing anything and, and mm-hmm. the camera just sat. And that's another thing I'm discovering as I'm going through these these roles in chronological order, which is how I've had them filed, you know, since I shot them. Sure. Uh, I'm going through and I'm seeing like a two month gap here and there. And I'm, I'm looking around, like maybe something got misfiled yeah. or, or mislabeled somehow. And it's like, no, I guess I just, I, you know, maybe I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. I didn't take a vacation. <laughs> sure. I wasn't doing anything with Al and none of my bands were, had gigs for those two months for some reason. Yeah. And I just didn't pick up the camera. That makes you sense. Know, so there's there's some of that. There's some obvious gaps, and there's other times where you know I would shoot six, seven rolls in a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just depended, like on the Rocky Road video or the Ricky video. There's a lot of rolls of film that I was bet. were shot each of those days. Man, is uh any of the audio stuff 
do you think it'll make it, it'll make its way out there any of it in bits and pieces like is there ever a chance of like outtakes kind of stuff i i don't i don't probably not okay there would there would be more likely be a chance and i think it would be pretty cool for al for the fans to put out maybe demo versions yeah of the original songs yeah now, we didn't have demo versions of the parodies because we didn't have to demo them we knew what they were we, <laughs> of course, we right. yeah. knew, knew the song and the arrangement and the the parts and all that. but for the the uh originals almost all of them we had there was a demo there were two two demos very often al oh. would do a demo and and uh, give that to us mm -hmm. and then the band would get together with al and record a band demo wow and then we would go into the studio and, and you know, record that, wow. uh, you know, for real. So there were sometimes two previous versions mm -hmm. of the song. And uh, even going way back, even before there was a reason to do demos, like mm -hmm. I'll Be Mellow When I'm Dead, mm -hmm. there was a, a, a really early version of that. Then there was the version that was done about four months after that in July of 81 that I think Dr. Demento played at the time. Oh, wow. And then there was the version we recorded the following year for the first album. So there were actually three versions of that, uh, but but they would be very cool if uh, you know Al would put out the demos. There's some kind of a deal with the label in terms of, you know, the publishing and stuff like that. I sure. mean, they, you know, sadly they they have control of all of Al's material up through 2014. Ridiculous. So they would either have to be involved, which mm -hmm. uh, you know we don't hate them and they don't hate us. I sure. mean, the box set came out after you know with, yeah, with yeah, yeah. everyone's full cooperation, and and which was a very cool product. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, but that would be sort of a cool thing, and and we do have good quality tapes of most of that. As far as outtakes and things, those are odd. Curious. That's up to Al if he wants to sure. leak that stuff on YouTube. You know, mm -hmm. he can certainly. You know, as long as he's not trying to sell it, then <laughs> right, right. You know, I don't think it'd be a problem. Is it really going to happen? I I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, that's fair. I I will say I bought what eight, nine, ten different records of Andy Partridge's demos. <laughs> like he oh, sold, wow. you know, like I, he had the Fuzzy Warbles collection, which I think was eight to ten CDs worth <laughs> of crap. So you know, there's a market for it, but I get it. it that's a uh, that's daunting, probably. Yeah, I I don't know how many people would really, you know, if there's if there's a few hundred, that's probably not enough. Sure, you know? of course, yeah. I mean, I it would take it, up, but... it would take the. Dave Rossi's and Ethan Ullman's and, and, you know, Marty Lick and, and those guys, you know, Javier, uh, uh, Valdez and, mm -hmm. and, uh, Kenneth Gwinnett. And, you know, there's, there's some serious hardcore fans, Yeah, but I don't know if, you know, we're, we're not, we love them, but we're not going to press a bunch of CDs for, <laughs> just for them. Sure. Of course. Of course, man. That's, I, these are the things though, that I love to hear because, you know, when I, when I'll talk to people who are either archivists or producers, uh, like uh, I've spoken with Andre Jackman, who produced almost all the Python albums, and when he tells me there are there are extra lines to certain songs that just ended up on the floor, quite literally, at sometimes I'm just like, please tell me that's somewhere. He's like, yeah, it's around here somewhere, and I'm like, oh no, what oh. they need is a Bermuda. <laughs> they need a Bermuda there to take care of that stuff because oh, it drives me crazy to hear this. Stuff. Yeah, there wasn't there the, anything that was recorded. You know, there's very little that was lost. Yeah. That was that was intended to be recorded and then somehow didn't make it that far. Yeah. Um, you know, and some of that stuff has come out. You know, the alternate verse in in the night Santa went crazy. Sure. Uh, you know, stuff like that, which which has been you know, is is out there. It was released eventually. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's there's not uh, there was an early version we did of lasagna mm -hmm. that was not. Uh, 
God, I don't I don't remember if it was a little more Latin, you know, like like oh, La Bamba okay. was. Yeah. But it, it turned into something else. So there was there was a different version of that that I think we just did like the day before and then we re recorded it. Wow. And for whatever reason Al wanted to do sort of a different take on it. And and we did. Now I don't know I may have a copy of that somewhere. I don't sure. know. Sure. But that may be one of those things that we just went over mm-hmm. on the tape and it, and the other version is gone forever. You I, so in scanning all this stuff, it's got to be. I mean, you're spending so much time having to look back. Is there ever? I mean, are do you spend a lot of time reflecting on on your favorite moments? Uh, I mean, obviously the band's still together. You're still going concerned, but do you spend any time reflecting on on favorite moments in the past of the band? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There's a mm-hmm. lot of them. I mean, that's that's most of my life. Yeah, has, has been spent working with him and and the guys, the same guys, mm-hmm. and and it's been uh, which is very cool, you know. But it's all it's all in here, you know. Yeah. I I don't just sit around and kind of stare off in the <laughs> distance, thinking, yeah, that '87 tour with the Monkees, that was pretty cool. We played mm-hmm. some pretty big venues then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all in there. Yeah. And as I see these photos, and actually, I'm coming up to that Monkees tour to the to '87 uh, probably in the next week. Amazing. And and. Uh, and I know most of those photos, but there's probably probably going to see a lot that where I took those photos and then handed them to the guys, mm-hmm. and and you know haven't seen them since you know in in thirty three years, thirty four years now. That's so crazy. that's that's part of what's fun about this project is rediscovering that. And you know, as each image is scanning, I get about five minutes to sort of think about it, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to reflect on it till I have to go to the next frame. So <laughs> as I'm doing this, I mean, I'm sitting at the computer and and uh, you know some of that stuff takes me back sometimes i'll i'll pull aside some of those and send them to the guys who are in the photos mm-hmm. um you know I, I i will occasionally send one to jim or steve uh you know or, or certain ones to al al is going to get copies of all of these of course that, sure that he's in yeah yeah but uh it's it's sort of so I, I do reflect but you know when, if I'm, when I'm not doing this just sitting around the house eh, you know yeah I guess you know right I mean, it's just it's all sort of stored away of course of course know, in, in here somewhere um I you know I, I probably asked you this last time but it's probably fair to ask uh see if anything's changed especially since you had that tour do you have any new appreciation for any of the old music that that maybe had laid dormant because you hadn't played it in so long oh yeah yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of lot of great songs, and and fun to do. A lot of stuff we had never played live before, mm-hmm. or stuff we had played live, you know, thirty years ago and hadn't played since. Mm-hmm. So we had to, you know, learn and relearn a bunch of songs, you know, that we had done a long time ago. Al had to learn a bunch of his own songs because now he's up there. There's no tracks, no nothing. Yeah. He's up there playing his his MIDI accordion, which which will do string sounds and horn sounds and all wow. sorts of other okay. you know, piano sounds if he wants. And he can he can you know fill in a lot of the parts. And he's having to learn these parts that he never had to play in the beginning because mm-hmm. you know, we we did all of that. You know, That's if there was accordion, crazy. he played that, and everything else we handled. You know, uh, he played wow. some basic keyboard way back. I mean, he's he's become a, a very accomplished keyboard player. In fact, he did all of the keyboard on his last album. Wow! Even though we have know. a keyboard player, <laughs> <laughs> he did all of the keyboards on there. Wow! And and uh, you know, That's so he's he's gotten very good. Not because he didn't want to pay Ruben, but it was just sure simpler to do it. He knows what he wants. He could do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so so uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, it was it was very cool. And uh, yeah, Al had to work as hard as we did. Mm-hmm. On those things we had to work out vocal parts a lot of times we had to work out an ending to a song that had faded on the record oh, but you know of we, course. 
it's very hard to fade in concert. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's not quite the same. Right. So we we had we did a lot of work. We did our most rigorous rehearsal schedule uh, for any tour for that particular tour. Mm-hmm. We we rehearsed for a total of ten days. Now you hear about. Hey, normally we only rehearse for four days, and sometimes we only <laughs> okay. go through the show one time in that four-day period. There you go. But, but we got together. Now, uh, you know, we we knew what songs we were going to rehearse. We would rehearse two days in a row, in five different uh, segments over a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And we knew, of course, going in. Okay, this this thing we're going to do. Uh, we're going to work on these ten songs. There were like fifty or fifty-one of the originals that we were pulling out and had to work on. Yeah, and. Every time we got together for a two-day period, we would work on 10 of the songs, which okay. is a very leisurely. Sure. And and we knew going in, we would, you know, listen to them, of course, and chart them out if we needed to. And I, I should add, that's the first tour we've ever had to use charts. Oh, wow. Because there was just too much stuff yeah. to do. And we didn't play. We played 15, 16, 17 songs a night, except several of those songs we wouldn't play again for a few days or even a few weeks. Mm. So we would do a song one night and then we wouldn't play it again for two, sometimes three weeks. And we would have to rehearse it again that day and have a chart. So we didn't forget till it got kind of in our heads. Yeah. You know, there was some stuff we did like maybe four out of five days mm-hmm. and we, you know, we had that together very quickly, but some things, and we had charts like all the way up to the end, Al too. Mm-hmm. Everyone had, some charts and it was really which we're not the first band to do that but it's the first time we've done it yeah it was that some of the stuff was that not drilled into us because we hadn't played some of it in years or ever you know but but 10 day rehearsals is is still extremely tidy now there are bands that go in and and will get together for two months Mm -hmm. and go over a show and it's like i don't i don't understand how that happens (laughs) you know two months with the guys who recorded the stuff i mean they know they're not learning these songs hearing them for the first time (laughs) right and even if you do you know in a week or two you got it you know you've got 20 songs together it's not that hard Mm -hmm. and uh so 10 days you know was a long time for us but it's really you know that's kind of how we work because we're just they're all they're in here somewhere Mm -hmm. you know and some of it's recall and the rest of it is charting them out before we go in and and playing them as a band and just massaging things a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, working out an ending perhaps and working out some vocal parts perhaps. And that's kind of it. So, you know, 10 days is a long time for us, but it was, it was worth it. And, uh, you know, it really, you know, we work pretty quick. I mean, that is impressive uh, to have a, a, a list of 51 to draw from in the uh, period, but also, again, you hadn't played some of these in 30 plus years. Years, well, or or nuts. ever, and actually, there's a lot yeah. more than 51 originals. Sure, but these these were the 50 51 that Al had had pulled out to uh, to do and rotate them throughout the the show with the idea of uh, every night being a different set list. Yeah, and there yeah. were enough songs, and he created all of the set lists in advance. Oh, we wow. knew we knew you know five six seven weeks in what we'd be playing in Eugene, Oregon, mm-hmm. you know, at the before we even left for tour. Wow. So all of those were done. But in addition, uh, we we had, and this required a little work too, and this is what also made each show unique, is we did a, a cover song, a straight cover song at each show, a different oh, one for yeah. every show. I think so I we had to learn an extra 77 songs Jeez. to play one time, uh, to play one time. 
basically. Oh my God. And so we would rehearse. We'd we'd go in and and for a sound check. You know, at the last rehearsal before we left for tour, we worked on the the first three songs, the first three nights worth of original songs, okay. uh, uh, covers that we were going to play. Mm-hmm. So we had those going in, but we would rehearse them that day. We'd rehearse that night's cover song, and then the next night's cover song. The next day, we'd go in rehearse that cover song again, and then rehearse the next night's cover song. So we'd have two days rehearsal for each of the cover songs we're going to do some of them were quite easy Mm -hmm. you know uh uh, you know some of the i i don't i'm trying to think you know basic rock songs and things oldies rock songs you know were easy stuff that we'd all played in bar bands not out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you know that we all knew and it was just a question of okay well what key and uh, are we going to change the solo and this is the ending that's on there you know we did honky tonk woman we you know this is all all stuff we had done before sunshine of your love i think we did um uh, just a ton of stuff. I think the first one we did was, uh, uh, what was a deep, deep purple, uh, oh, hit. Uh, oh my I, God. They I didn't do smoke on the water. Did they smoke on the water was it the first that. one. We okay. Did. All right. There we go. You know? And I'd never played that, but we all knew the song. We rehearsed it and, and, uh, it was very cool. I think all we had to do was just work up an ending for it. So stuff like that. So we, but it kept us busy, you know, and, and for that reason, it was a very fun tour, but we were absolutely on our toes. And, and rehearsed a lot because mm-hmm. we had to work on whatever songs we were going to do that night that, that we felt we needed to rehearse, mm-hmm. even towards the end of the tour. And we'd sort of played everything either, you know, a hundred times at that point or a dozen times or whatever. And, and uh, there were still a few things we needed to work on, but we always needed to work on that night's song. Yeah. And and uh, so we always had, it was it was a busy time. That's nuts to me. busy I, tour for us. But I again, mean, a, a yeah. fun tour. Wow, because I'm not that kind of a musician. I can barely strum a guitar, and that's all I can get away with. So the idea to me of learning, even if it's... But again, I'm assuming mo- all of you are just like, you can hear a song and know how it goes. That is this very specific skill that I admire the hell out of. Being able to play by ear is is just... It's, well, I don't get it. I don't get they, it. They, a lot of them were songs that we had played. At, not sure, even, right, not yeah. as a band, but in other bands. In other bands, yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, mean, I know that because I suggested a lot of the songs. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I'm, I'm in several cover bands mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like, well, these are, these are well-known songs, you know, that young and old, you know, the older fans would know, the younger fans would have heard, mm-hmm. you know, Dirty Water by the Standells, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stuff like that is, you know, there, there was very little really obscure stuff that we did sort of for our own amusement. There were a couple mm-hmm. of things, you know, we did Peaches by the Presidents of the United States. Sure. Uh, just because, you know, and it, not to say that wasn't a hit for them, but that was not a mainstream hit, really, mm-hmm. in the way that Dirty Water or Smoke on the Water, mm-hmm. you know, was, for example. Right. Uh, you know, or, or uh, uh, Freebird, you know, we right, played, we played Freebird, of course, because why you not? You had to, you had to at least yeah. once. Do, when you, um, when you're taking records now, when you're shooting photos now, do you have an SLR that you go around with, a digital SLR? No, I, I've got actually most of what I'm doing is on the phone. Wow. You okay. Know, phones, phones have gotten uh, quite good. Resolution's quite good. Sure. Uh, I haven't bought a, uh, a digital camera camera in years, mm-hmm. and I haven't used one since. I probably took one on, on that 2018 tour, and I probably didn't use it at all. I probably okay. didn't shoot with it. I probably just shot with my phone, the which phone. was not a great, you know, which is an okay phone. I got a better phone since, mm-hmm. and uh, it's only an iPhone 8, but it's... <laughs> You know, for for our purposes, it's great. I yeah. mean, there's there's uh, you know, it can do no wrong. In addition to all the other things it does, in addition to having it on the phone and being able to manage it from there, as opposed mm-hmm. to in a camera and then having to transfer it somewhere and do something with it, and et cetera, et cetera. So I haven't, 
you know, I thought about getting like a nice high end, uh, you know, a Canon or an Icon or something like that mm -hmm. that would also shoot 4K video. Oh, sure. Had a couple of lenses and do all that stuff. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm probably never going to use it. Right. It's probably going to give me somewhat better quality than the phone for mm -hmm. for posting online, but and making an eight by ten or an mm -hmm. eleven by seventeen. Right. But it's you know it's very marginal. Now, if I'm shooting a movie, you know, I want to shoot us in concert. That's a different deal. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. you know, I've been I've been using a phone. I mean, so, they're good means... record keeping devices. I mean, that is well, yeah. that is their purpose now. Really. And it's always it's always with me. It is yeah. always there, uh, always. I would love to know if you don't mind getting deep into the archive weeds a right. little bit. I'd like to know what, if you don't mind telling me, uh, what archive, what database software you use, because I am always looking at this stuff and I am half the time confused by it. So I'm curious what you use. I, I, uh, it's probably the hard one. It's mm -hmm. Access from, oh sure, which okay. is part of Office. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be easy. Yeah, uh, I uh, they they made it, uh, and I owned Office, although it was Office ninety seven. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> there was a point where, as software companies do, uh, you know they they cripple it, mm -hmm. and and you cannot, uh, you know, some of the the suite worked, but I think it was Access did not, and Access, mm -hmm. and I live and breathe by my database because I've got a ton wow. of stuff. Not just you know my phone book is in there, my list of gigs that I've done. Ever. Wow, okay. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, so I, I, uh, you know, went for the new suite, which ironically is now four or five years old, but that's current for Microsoft. Sure. But access is, is the database I'm using and I don't exploit it as much as I can, as mm -hmm. much as I should. And I don't integrate it with other databases. You know, I, I have one database that's got one type of information. That's how it stays. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't. I have an audio archive and I have a gig archive that references what's in the audio archive, but okay. I don't try to tie them together because they they will not overlap in the same way because the audio archive has stuff that's not in the gig archive. Sure, sure. And the gig archive has a lot of listings that where there's no audio counterpart and it would just it would make a database twice as big with only a couple of with only some overlap. So I'm, I'm still, and someday I'm sure I could integrate it if I could figure out which fields to make in common mm -hmm. and how to link them up by date. I'm using the same date format on everything. So that's sure. possible. Mm -hmm. It's probably not necessary Yeah, because I, I treat them, you know, it's not a big deal to find out, you know, a gig we did on, uh, you know, uh, May 16th, 1984. And I know I have a tape of, on, tape of it in uh, folder number 102, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, or, and then so I can go to the audio archive well, actually, if it says it's in 102, I, I can, yeah, I can go to the auto archive, which has got all the folders in there. Mm -hmm. And that's backed up five different ways. Sure. And so nothing sure. can happen to it. Right. And uh, wow. it's, uh, that's that's handy to have. But to answer your question, uh, access. Access. That's good. I mean, it's it's it, it's not uncommon. I've never learned to use it, except, or, except as a user. So I've never learned how to actually use the underground, the actual database part of it. So maybe yeah. I'll no, Nobody to. knows how to. You know, nobody knows all of Photoshop. Nobody sure. knows all of Word. Mm -hmm. nobody, not even the guy. That's why they have 20 different people who write these programs because they all do different parts. Nobody, none, even they don't know all of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I use about 5% of what Access does, which is just a laundry list of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can sort and I can put things in order. And that's all I needed to do. It's just a, a list of stuff that I can access. Yeah. So to speak. Right. When we were, la I, let me look uh, up because I cannot remember uh, when uh, the the full giant accordion set came out. Uh, what year was that? I feel like it was after we spoke. It was, or 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 soon after, right around the time. It was, uh, 
I could look it up, but it was the fall of 2017. Okay, okay. So it was around that time. And I, I, th- I feel like maybe when we talked about it in terms of uh, all the work you had to do, which was rescanning oh. album covers and stitching together <clears throat> and cleaning up and all, which... Uh, were you even using a large format scanner or were you having to use a regular scanner and well, I, piece it I, together? No, I, it's a regular scanner, but there were certain other things where I would take photos, take digital oh, sure. photos. Mm-hmm. And and again, for, for the purposes, that sufficed just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, knowing knowing the, the size and the uh, resolution they needed, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was fine. Now, I would go through and I would clean them up and I'd work on the density and I'd make sure everything was nice. But what I did for for uh, where they needed album covers where which surprisingly they didn't have the art for a lot of that which that's I don't, what that's what hurt my brain when you told i don't me understand that. anyway or they uh, were they were too busy to look for it or something and anyway, yeah. they figured i could cook it up well i did and what i did though and this worked very well in the case where there were a lot not there's a whole uh, uh, period of time where there were not 12 by 12 inch albums they were cds yeah well you don't just take and scan a cd booklet blow it up four times and like hope shit. that it looks like the art because it yeah. doesn't right it's all dots you know and all that stuff so what i did on those actually i think what i did on most of them to get clean scans of everything was i have 12 by 12 uh flats promo cards mm-hmm. of of the printed album including things that were on cd but they're wow. printed nice they're, you know, they're, they're not, there's not, it's not dots and all that stuff. Yeah. So I was, I, I went out and, and, uh, shot those, you know, with, with the camera mm-hmm. and made sure they were squared, made sure the colors were right. If there were any little blems on them, I cleaned everything up really nice. Yeah. And that's the stuff that appears in the, uh, booklet that came with, with the box set. That's cool. And actually, how- I, I guess, I guess we're used for the covers as well. Sure. How how did it feel like when you finally? I have not seen it in person, so I'm wondering how it felt to see it in person. Oh, it was. Impressed? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was very. Uh, uh, it, it was very very cool to see that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean the book the book in particular. I mean, is you know, was cool. I mean, most of the stuff in there came from me. Yeah, I mean, a couple of guys, uh, uh, John Jackson and uh, Mike Duquette, mm-hmm. came out uh, from Sony Records or Legacy, which is their their uh, reissue division. Mm-hmm. And and they came out to the house from New York, and uh, we went through all of my photos, uh, boxes and boxes of stuff. They'd come out another time and shot uh, a video of me like opening up and looking in boxes, like as teasers for the box Smart. set. Sure, you know. Uh, so they were out here like two, three times to do that stuff, and so they now Mike Duquette is a is a major fan, mm-hmm. and so I think he was brought out particularly to sort of be to to kind of make sure everything you know to pick out the cool stuff you know to separate the cool stuff from the pedestrian stuff i get it yeah or the stuff that's maybe been overused from the stuff that nobody's ever seen mm-hmm. he was kind of there to to make sure you know that the, the right things were chosen so i know he was having a good time and then he figured prominently in into this uh book thing that uh happened last year and i'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that when we get up to it but mike duquette and john jackson were uh were the guys who i worked with directly on that and once I saw uh, the booklets, you know, and and it was a little bit bigger than I thought. It was, it was. I thought it was. They said, you know, they keep saying, you know, oh yeah, it's a hundred page booklet. And, well, it's one hundred and twenty pages or one hundred twenty two. Right. You know, that's significantly more than a hundred. Yeah, it's twenty percent more anyway. Uh-huh. And it was just, it was very cool to see all this stuff in there that they had, you know, worked on the density and and you know and cleaned up and all this other stuff, you know, more than I had already. And it was just very cool to see that stuff printed. Going through all of these photos now, like I'm doing, mm-hmm. I you know had I done this 
10 or 15 years ago, the stuff that's out there would have looked a hundred percent better. Really? At least twice as good okay. for, for a couple of reasons. You know, uh, if something was taken from a photo, it can only be as good as the photo. I can only jockey the colors and the, and the density so much from an existing photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, uh, which is to say, well, you know, why, why would a lab print a photo that was so far from the negative? Well, I've, I've been going through these negatives and not having to adjust them too much. And they look great. And they look nothing like the photo. They look like real, they're crisp, they're bright, they're, they're d- dynamic. You see the entire frame. Cause you know, unless you got a sure. four by six photo, a three and a half by five was not the right format of, of, you know, a three to two, sure. uh, which is 24 by 36 uh millimeters mm-hmm. uh which is a 35 millimeter frame 35 millimeters so you would see a truncated version uh fuzzy because it's only so crisp mm-hmm. you're trying to make something this big this big you can yeah. it, it, it's only going to look so good but you try and make something this big with a trillion dots of information on it this big it looks pretty amazing yeah and that's what i'm seeing right now as i'm going through thousands and thousands of these photos Mm-hmm. And, and again, a lot of which, you know, I, I hadn't seen since the day they were taken or since the day I got the prints back from the lab and gave them away. It's right. the last time I saw some of these. <laughs> so, you know, with Dr. Demento, with, you know, with anyone in the band or old other bands, friends, people I worked with back in the day at Westwood One when I was doing a day job, mm-hmm. uh, family. I mean, there's things where I would just give away prints. You know, sometimes I'd make double prints, but if I didn't. I'd give away the only print. If I wasn't in it, I'd think, oh, why not? What am I going to keep it for? So yeah. that's why I'm seeing a lot of stuff again that's that's new to me. I love that. And that I know nobody's seen because if I gave away the print, there's no way I could have scanned it mm-hmm. and put it online anytime, you know, un- unless the recipient did that. And I don't think that's been done. So right. there's a ton of photos that, uh, that the fans have not seen as well. Are there any that you've found that you would like to frame and hang up? Any that are particularly either great or memorable? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. And and now the thing is, I've kind of done that along the way. Because at the time, too. you know, having the negatives, I would I would look at the prints. I go, oh, this would make a nice 11 by 17 or whatever. And mm-hmm. I would take the negatives in and get an enlargement. So I would have that done at the time. Okay. Uh, you know, now scanning the way I am from the negatives, I can, you know, and, and with the printers I've got, I could certainly do an eight by 10 that would look, you know, every bit as good as what a lab would do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I would have it in, in two minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. And for, and for the cost of the paper and the ink, uh, sure. but yeah, anything now, again, I'm seeing some things that I haven't really seen in a while, but they're usually not pictures of me. Yeah. Yeah. So do I need a big picture of Jim West on his guitar? <laughs> right. Not, you know, if I do, I can look in the database and go right to it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even the frame number is on there. Not that I need the frame number from the film, but I can go to it. If if I ever need to go back to the negatives to rescan something for some bizarre reason, mm-hmm. I could I could hand an envelope and say, I need this, 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 you know, frame scanned. Yeah. Need these three scanned. And without having to like check them again, because they're all they're all in the database. Mm-hmm. Frame number, date. If I shot multiple rolls on the same day with multiple frame numbers that are the same, those are differentiated mm-hmm. with, you know, with, with an A, a B, a C, a D, whatever. Uh, so, so every image is completely unique. I could mm-hmm. dump them into all one folder and there wouldn't be any duplicates. I think the other reason I like having you on here is because it's so satisfying to my OCD to hear that somebody has all their stuff organized this much. I think that's part of it. It, it took me 
it took me three or four days to develop a, a workable system. Mm -hmm. And it seems really simple to me now. But I knew, because I knew I was going to encounter that because I'd already had some film scanned by someone else mm -hmm. that is hopelessly dumped into one thing. It's not a big deal. I could, it's 20 rolls of film that I could go back and, yeah. you know, in a couple of hours, sort it out. It's not, not that crucial. Mm -hmm. But but I knew that if I wanted to find these things, uh, I, I've got a field in the Access database that's got keywords in it. So it's not, I don't have to just fill out a whole bunch of subjects. I can group things by vacations or if I wanted to, you know, if I had pictures of the homes I, I've lived in and the place I've lived, that's got its own keyword. Mm -hmm. If there's, you know, everything that's Al has its keyword, everything that's Demento related, even if he's not in the picture, has its keyword. Uh, I've, I've got a list of about 20 or 30 keywords, you know, jobs, uh, holiday, party, uh, you know, vehicles, if any of my cars are in there. Oh, yeah, okay. P pets, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, drums, electronics, you know, my stereo, anything like that. Um, I love it. You know, old girlfriends, uh, celebrities, if, if, you know, someone was in the studio with Al or if I, you know, shook hands with President Clinton or whatever, which mm -hmm. I did, you know, that would be, that's got its own. So I can call all of that stuff up. I mean, I've even called Rick Derringer a celebrity, even though he was the producer and was sure. an employee, mm -hmm. you know, just because that's the way to do that, you know. Yeah. So I've got all of those things, you know, it took me about three days to figure out. But the dating thing was was the hardest because I wanted because I knew I was going to have multiple things. I knew that, yeah. that uh, multiple roles on the same day. I knew that some frame numbers were going to have an A after it and some were not. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I wanted to make sure everything was in absolute date order. I needed to be able to deal with photos and images that I didn't have a date for. I mean, mm -hmm. at all. I knew it was in the seventies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I, you know, sometimes I knew if it, it was a certain year, sometimes I knew it was a certain month, but I had to be able to deal with that as well. Yeah. And how would that, once I listed those, how would that shake out in the order of all the dates that actually had a month and a day on it instead of, you know, 1978, zero, 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 zero mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. month, month, day, day, day. It's like, Sometime in 1978, maybe, possibly, I don't know. I've had to recently do exactly that, and it drives me insane that I don't know, that I don't know some bits and pieces. Um, I, I want to, I, I don't, and I know we didn't talk about this last time. We talked a bit, we talked a lot about, like, records that you listened to, music you played before. But, I mean, in since I can see a piano behind you, uh, I would love to know what instruments you can play. I would love to know if there's anything on any of the records that you have played besides drums that I would be surprised by. Uh, no, on the records, no, I don't. No, I don't play any, any melodic anything if mm -hmm. I can avoid it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I actually don't play uh, the the wife's. The, my wife plays uh, the piano. Okay, there's also a guitar back there somewhere, a little farther out that way. Mm -hmm. um, that she also plays, and she plays mm -hmm. ukulele and stuff like that. No, I don't play any melodic instrument, wow. just drums and and related percussion. Okay. So if if you're hearing, you know, even conga drums, which I'm really not a conga player, but on, on, uh, you know, on, uh, for example, if that isn't love, yeah, yeah, uh, the the Hanson sounding thing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's me playing congas, not like a conga player, sure, but it's you know for what was needed on there, I could do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've ever called in a professional, you know, skilled Latin percussionist or something like that to do something. You know, we've always just had me. Uh, play that but again we're not doing stuff that's that's requires that kind of skill you know we're doing stuff sure. that a rock drummer can play you know a basic tambourine mm -hmm. you know can play you know basic uh 
you know, cowbell stuff. I mean, I have a lot of different cowbells and I have a lot of different tambourines mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But, you know, anything that doesn't make melodic sounds, I can play it. That's amazing. And, and I do. So uh, pretty much everything you hear on there is me. Yeah, I love that. And of course, we should never forget that, you know, you obviously also played on an accordion case. Never forget. Everybody yeah. needs to remember that. Oh, yeah. It's always, always important to remember. <laughs> and, I, and I still have the accordion case. Love it. Oh, that's so good. I mean, it has to be there. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, that you have it. Um, <laughs> in digging back, I mean, do you, is there, do you have a favorite song to listen to, favorite song to play? I know that those are very basic questions, but I don't know if we went over that last time. Uh, no. No. Not, not really. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, you know, when I sit down and I'm playing to records and, you know, records, you know, I'm playing to a, a, a song just to practice along or do something. It's typically, unless I'm rehearsing for an Al thing, mm -hmm. it's not an Al song necessarily. I mean, I have quite a, a library of uh, CDs sure. and, uh, you know, quite a lot of other music than, than just Al, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to growing up, you know, in the 60s with the Beatles and the Stones and Monkeys and the Association and, mm -hmm. and Paul Revere and the Raiders and, you know, later, a little later, Cream, mm -hmm. you know, the heavier stuff and, and uh, you know, 70s rock and 80s new wave, a lot of Motown stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, some, some kind of commercial not metal really, but, but mm -hmm. commercial rock, you know, so Nirvana and grunge and alternative, you know, alt rock, and, you know, so a lot of that up through the nineties and, you know, some, some dance and synth wave stuff, uh, beyond that, not much new. And then say the last 20 years, mm -hmm. uh, for me, I mean, I'm, I, it really takes a lot to get me to hear new music sure. as far as just playing, you know, sitting down on the drums and playing along to something. I got a huge library of stuff and, uh, Again, unless I'm working on an Al song, you know, cause it's, I, I don't know why, maybe it just seems weird to be playing to what I played. I get that. Maybe in, in somewhere in my mind, it's, it's a redundant thing to do that. Mm -hmm. That's uh, fair. Not that, not that I don't like what I did with Al and don't like sure, some of his sure. songs. I just, it's like in my mind, it's like, but I've already played that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's perfectly fair. I guess, I guess not Al. Right, right. Do you, uh, let's talk about the book because, um, this is something I, I don't have it yet, but I'm looking forward to getting a copy. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of moving. So adding anything to my, <laughs> to my house is a terrible idea. Um, but I mean, I've seen a ton of the photos from it. I would love to know, uh, about the, you putting this book together. Well, I, uh, it is, uh, black and white and weird all over. That photo is just so, I just love how. Badass and goofy, he can look at the same time, and it's just such a good photo. Oh, oh beautiful. thank you. Uh, the book, the book came about. No, it's it's this is a several step process. About uh, in the middle of 2017, uh, I was just finishing up after, God, like 25 years of working on it, on and off and on and off, archiving mm -hmm. all of my tapes. Okay. Finally, digitizing everything. Mm -hmm. I finally got that done, and then I realized, you know, I've got another analog body of work that that probably could stand to be digitized not because it's deteriorating necessarily but it would be cool to have all of that stuff you know it, it's been sourced so many times and i have to go through and look at photos and scan yeah. things and yes i've kept the scans but you know then i got to go through those and there, there weren't really any way to identify things and it's just you know I, I thought you know it would be very cool to digitize all of my negatives and put them in a database so i could get to them so that if there's another project uh, I can, uh, you know, easily get to that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and actually after having just done a lot of that for the Sony box set, 
mm-hmm. having to go through all of my stuff again for you know the fourth or fifth time in my life. Yeah, uh, you know that had occurred to me. You know, I, it would have been so much simpler if I had all of this stuff just all in folders that are dated and that are clean and that are you know ready to go. And uh, that's what made me start thinking about that. And as I was looking at my negatives, uh, I, I re-stumbled across the, all of these black and white negatives that I'd shot between 83 and 86 that had never been printed. A couple of them, yeah. starting with the Ricky video, now a couple, five or six from the Ricky video had been printed, but none of the rest were ever printed. Five or six from the Isle of Rocky Road video had been printed and, and published, but beyond that, nothing else. None of the Eat It video shots, none of the Living with a Hernia video. There was stuff from the studio that had never been seen, Man. you know, never been printed. Al had never seen these things even. Mm-hmm. And I, I was looking at all of those and I thought, you know, it'd be pretty cool maybe to, you know, after years of putting stuff online and stuff being in print, you know, I thought, uh, you know, the, the fans haven't seen these, maybe it'd be pretty cool. So first thing I did was I asked Al if it was okay if I, you know, did something with them, put them out in a book or, or you know, whatever. And he says, yeah, you know, go for it. Mm-hmm. So I did nothing <laughs> with it for a little while. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I At the time, I looked into self-publishing mm-hmm. and realized that that would not be a good thing for me. Yeah. On, on it's that hard partic- with a photography book. Well, uh, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just, I, I just, I didn't like, I didn't like the way it was going to work. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the amount of work I would have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, given, given that I know nothing about promoting a book. Sure. You know, yes, I could notify the fans on Facebook and, and via Twitter. And that's about the extent of it. Yeah. You know, I, unlikely I could get books into stores or into other countries or anything like that. So I, I needed, I knew I needed something beyond just you know, them putting it, selling me books so that I could figure out how to resell them. Yeah. I, I knew that that wasn't for me. So I, I didn't do anything about it for a very long time. Well, a couple of years went by. And when we were in New York City, Mike Duquette, this guy who had come out and we had worked together on the box set booklet, uh, was at our show that we did at uh, Forest Hill Stadium in New mm-hmm. York. And, and uh, he was just sort of, t- we were just sort of talking about stuff. And I, I mentioned just out of the blue, I came up with this thing in the back of my head because i knew i was going to have 2020 off i said you know i'm I'm, i've got all these photos you know the black and white photos that i'm thinking of putting out that nobody's ever seen you know thinking about about a book or something i just i don't know you know whatever he says oh Mm -hmm. that sounds cool and i even had a title i when i when i had in 2017 i'd already figured out a title for it Mm -hmm. and i'll 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 tell you about that in a sec all right so a couple of months later uh mike sends me an email he says uh when you're ready to move forward with this book, contact uh, Matthew Chonaki at 1984 Publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he publishes, you know, pop culture coffee table books. Might be a good fit. So I thought, oh, that's that's good. I have a lead. You know, I don't know if that's the be all and end all, but uh, whatever. Anyway, a couple of more months went by, and by this time, I'm thinking, you know, I've got the coming year off. 2020 was going to be off, and and uh, this could be a good year to work on this project, mm-hmm. and. So the first thing I did was I took some of the black and white negatives to a service uh, in town that that converts them, that digitizes them. And I wanted to see how that would work. I mean, if it was going to work as well as I had hoped. I got them back, took two rolls there, got them back. They look great. They look really, really great. I thought, okay, this is going to work. So I, I started to go ahead with it. I sent an email to Matthew and we got to working on, uh, you know, what what it was he does and what it was, you know, he could do with the book Mm -hmm. and within a week we had signed a contract wow 
and this was like December of 2019. And so things moved. I got the rest of the negatives, rest of those black and white negatives uh, uh, scanned, got those back, began sorting them out. We we had a timeline. He says, I need uh, I need uh, all of your photos and, and you know, write some text. We'll, we'll chapterize them and write some text for the chapters by uh, the end of March of 2020. Well, I had them by the end of January. So we're, we're way ahead of schedule. Uh, sent Al approved all of the photos that uh, mm-hmm. I sent them. You know, of course, I wanted him to to be happy but everything i had considered sending him he approved every single one of them amazing and uh anyway things got moving and well with the pandemic you know coming to fruition in march of, of 2020 sure. things still kept moving forward with the book it came out a little later than expected but not for any not because of the pandemic just mm-hmm. just to kind of work it and make sure that that he could promote it properly came out well before christmas came out in november of uh, of 2020 mm-hmm. uh, sold well uh, around the world, uh, still selling, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, on all the big outlets in stores, doing things that I could not have done for sure. Uh, getting getting interviews and publicity and promotion that I could not have done with self publishing. Yeah, that they would not have done for me. Now, the title "Black and White and Weird All Over: The Lost Photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1983 to 86." That was part of that was the publisher's idea. Mm-hmm. Part of the title itself, "Black and White and Weird All Over." came from someone else. I'll tell you about that in a sec. But the mm-hmm. original title I had from the book was It Don't Matter If They're Black and White. <laughs> Unseen Photos from the Camera of John Bermuda Schwartz. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's a clever play on the Michael Jackson song, mm-hmm. right? It, but, you know, here's a book of black and white photos. It don't matter if they're black and white. I thought that was hilarious. I love it. I love I, it. I, in fact, I think... It's I, a I think I told, title. It's perfect. Yeah, I, told, I think I told that to Al when I said, I'm going to put out a, you know... I think I'm going to put out a book, and here's the title. So I knew I knew what the title was going to be from the very beginning. Anyway, the in one of the chapters, I had to contact a guy named Mark Jonathan Davis, who is better known as Richard Cheese. Oh, sure, yeah. And Lounge Against the Machine. Uh, but he's an old friend of ours, uh, an old radio cohort of, of mine. Oh, okay. uh, worked with some of the companies I know. And, and uh, you know, I've seen him play a few times. You know, uh, we're, we're friends. Yeah. Anyway, I had to ask him some questions about one of the chapters in the book about something that came from radio station he worked at because Al didn't remember, you know, why he was wearing this shirt from KZZP in Phoenix. <laughs> Even though I have a bunch of photos of him, uh, he had no idea. So I thought, well, you know, Mark Davis would, would certainly know. So I got a hold of Mark and we were talking and uh, I hadn't told him the title of the book, but I said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm putting this book together and this is the chapter and, and there's a bunch of pictures with Al on the shirt. How, what was the deal with the shirt? Did you give him the shirts? And, and you know, well, obviously they gave him the shirts. Anyway, nobody could figure it out, but except that Al and Rick Derringer were wearing the shirts in the studio one day. I took a bunch of pictures and must have sent them to Mark. Anyway, Mark says, oh, by the way, if uh, your book's all black and white, if you need a title, how about black and white and weird all over? <laughs> you can have it for free. You can use it. Mm-hmm. And I already had this other title in the back of my head. Of I said, oh, that's that's pretty good. Well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Anyway, thinking I would never. Sure. So after the contract was signed and, and you know, a, a month or so of going back and forth about some of the basics, uh, Matthew said, oh, and about your, your title, he says, you know, it's, I don't know about the, the Michael Jackson thing, the, you know, it don't matter if they're black and white. That's a little bit of an old reference at this point. And, and Michael's kind of, on the outs again, you know, and, and, you know, all the controversy with him and all that, maybe not a good, you know, we don't want a bad review. We don't want any references to that anywhere. Ma, if, okay. If, you know, so, so, uh, 
and he says the other thing is in, in your in any of this says you don't mention al's name at all you got to put weird al in there you know so if someone's you know searching around on amazon or somewhere uh, you know for weird al the book will come up maybe they'll buy a book sure that they weren't looking for right and, and right. uh i said oh that's that's pretty smart self-publisher wouldn't have told me that no of course yeah they would have said you have a title that's great yeah <laughs> we'll just Let's put go. it on the book you know <laughs> you know what you're doing well i don't <laughs> yeah you know? and they they wouldn't have you know i guarantee you that they wouldn't have made a suggestion you yeah. know they print books to sell them to the author yeah and that's kind of which works in some cases would not have worked for me i'm so glad that i didn't yeah. go that route right uh anyway the the all the things that matthew and and his team did uh resulted in the book and you know looking as good as it does being promoted in the right places and places i could not have reached out to for sure. or that or where i wouldn't have as the author wouldn't have really been able to go in there and say i've got a book i want to promote it you know that's what the publisher does that's kind of what the distributor helps do you know that's why you have you know you don't do that by yourself right and Believe and I, me, i've I, tried it doesn't go well <laughs> yeah and and honestly i i did luck out i, I yeah. did luck out on this it, it worked out very well and uh very happy with it i would love to see uh, another book i was gonna say and, I, was, and, I was hoping that would happen and well and that's part of i was going to digitize all this stuff anyway but as i'm yeah. seeing all the al stuff you know go through the scanner i'm thinking okay that one that one they have they'd love to see that one there's mm -hmm. a different version of this other shot that they've seen a million times. Here's the mm -hmm. funny version or whatever. Yeah. So I'm in my mind, I'm doing that, but I can also, again, with this database, I can very quickly go to all of the folders that have Al in them at all. Yeah. If I, if I don't want Rick Derringer in a picture, I can eliminate those. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's very easy to narrow this stuff down, pull them out, go to those folders, look at them, you know, as, as, you know, pretty as they are, I've, I've gone through and, and done a little bit of color correction and density correction as I go, but not all the way. I mean, I'm going to let Photoshop do the rest of that if I need it Yeah. Uh, later. Again, I'm probably going to return to less than 10% of these photos, but the ones I'm going back to, you know, I really want to look good and, yeah. and they do look good. They do. They, I, I spend a little extra time on the Al photos uh, to make sure they're like 90, 95, 99% there. Uh, so when I go back to them, you know, I could go in, yank out two or three hundred, and yeah. have them all prepped within a week. That's amazing. Uh, so that's that's kind of that's kind of in the back of my mind what I'm thinking. You know, we're not done with the uh, black and white and weird all over by any means. Sure. Uh, you know, it's it's still uh, well, it's still selling, mm -hmm. and and we'll give it another push as the holidays get closer this year. Uh, you know, we we had plan to do some in-stores originally mm -hmm. sure. and with the pandemic that that became impossible uh, i did go to a local bookstore here in la and sign like 300 copies oh amazing okay which which uh, if somebody said i want to get a signed copy of your book i said well best way to do it is you know, it won't be personalized actually we had a plan for that too i went they they had advertised i had helped advertise that this store would have personalized copies if they placed their order they could tell me who to make it out to and if they had like a special message they wanted me to write for some reason they could do that and some of them did yeah. some of them put in like like a paragraph's worth of you know this weird you know personalized <laughs> kind of and i i wrote i wrote every i love word, it you know and and so they were they would go book soup is the company here in la oh yeah sure and and they uh and vromans who owns book soup out in pasadena mm -hmm. uh were, are the stores and i think they still have uh signed copies you know generic signed copies oh that's great other stores got got a book plate which is a little sticker that i signed and they would stick them on the inside of the book so it was sort of a it was hand signed but it was 
the book wasn't signed the sticker was signed but sure. it was a cool sticker that we made and uh so we we had these stickers done that looks like a, a strip of film oh i love it and, okay and uh, i signed that so, so good. the the book's done and is still doing very well mm -hmm. uh, publisher's happy i'm happy al loves it we had a uh, limited edition box set that had it was the same book but with a different cover a mm -hmm. little bit of a different treatment uh had had uh, 12 12 photos nine by 12 blow-ups on oh. like cardstock like suitable for framing of photos from the book oh that's so good and i i think also had a set of small set of postcards mm -hmm. or maybe that was some other promotion that went with it had a certificate of authenticity that goes with it that's and great. it was also in a box so there were 250 numbered boxes and and signed there was a, a page inside that was insert that had been signed by me that was insert was part of the book uh, tipped in they call it tipping and and so those are that's another different thing those sold out like in two hours oh i bet i bet which is which is very flattering yeah so uh you know the the book did and is doing well and i think that could lead to another book yeah, uh, yeah. I, i'm certainly uh, going through all of these photos and i'm about halfway through my film era with Al. Right now, I've got about twenty more years to go, mm -hmm. uh, and about two hundred more um, roles, basically. Yeah. yeah. Actually, actually, I'm past the halfway point. I have I have about one hundred and seventy five roles now. I think. Okay. And it should get done uh, within about eight weeks, nine weeks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my year, but it would be very <laughs> nice to have this all finished up. It would be right. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I'm uh, well, first of all, I'm excited to see the book. Um, I, from what I can see already, I'm just like I and if I were to have a personalized uh, inscription, it would say I liked your original title just fine because I do like your original title just fine. I think it's pretty good. Uh, but I uh, that's very funny. Um, well, normally right now I would ask you what you want to promote, but we know that the book's out there. But do, do you I mean, I guess if you can find it physically, you should buy it physically in a physical store. There's nothing wrong with helping out a physical store if you follow all their mandates. But you can get it on Amazon if that's if that's your druthers, if that's what you'd like to do. Yeah, ac actually, uh, well, Barnes & Noble has it in stores. Oh, good. Uh, a, a lot of independent bookstores do. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if not, they can certainly order it. Or uh, Amazon uh, and Walmart online. They both oh. have it at 30% off right now. I don't know when this is going to air, but they've had it mm -hmm. on 30% off for the first four months of this year for some reason. Crazy. Which, okay. Which one is a great savings for for whoever's buying the book, and two doesn't affect my cut. I yeah, get paid. Right. I get paid up front. So Good. I get I get my thirty eight cents whether they give it away or sell it for a million bucks. So yeah. absolutely, you know, uh, for anyone that wants the book, Amazon or or Walmart dot com are the way to go. If you want to spend the full thirty five bucks, uh, there's Barnes and Noble. Uh, if you want a pre signed copy, as long while they last, uh, Book Soup. Dot com uh, has them or vromans v-r-o-m-a-n-s.com has them and those are ones that i personally signed uh they're here in la okay and uh those those are the best ways to get the book but uh and 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 again most uh and it's available pretty much worldwide mm -hmm. uh japan australia you know if well worldwide not only by by way of amazon and all of all of their uh, you know different countries, but there's also independent stores and chains. And in Canada, for example, it's Chapters, which okay. is part of Indigo. Chapters has it in Canada. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name. Foils Bookshop in London mm -hmm. has it. Uh, there's there's uh, Waterstones, which is a, a series of stores across Europe has them. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia has got, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the places there. Anyway, it's available all over the place. So there's no excuse. No, absolutely not. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter at The Great Bermuda. Um, yes. They can... I don't, you know, honestly, I don't post a lot of stuff on Twitter or Instagram. Fair, Fair enough. It's just sort of, I go in like once a year to see if anyone's, you know, paying attention, still following <laughs> sure. me. Uh, BermudaSchwartz.com, BlackAndWhiteAndWeird.com. Yep. Those are your options for checking stuff out. WeirdAl.com, of course, if you want to check out. And on Facebook. I, uh, I'm just realizing, uh, I interviewed Lisa Popeil a while back, and oh. the photos she sent me look so look. Yeah, they must be yours, because they look just like the other ones that are that I can see a couple in the book, or at least some examples yeah. from. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Man, these are good. Every, everyone, everyone I could get a hold of in the book who had more than you know a couple of photos in there tress mcneil or dr demento or whoever it was i sent them all their photos that's great and and uh you know made sure they all got copies of you know nice clean you know uh, suitable for printing if they Mm -hmm. want and you know i wanted to make sure they all had them and and again just as i'm doing somewhat with with all of these color photos i'm doing you know i've been sending them to or posting them where the people in the photos can see them yeah. And and they're welcome to them. I mean, I, I don't, you know, nobody's going to take them and, and go make a book, for example. Yeah, That's my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I, I'm, I'm trying to make these uh, available to them, you know, and sometimes, you know, their photos were maybe they had the original three and a half by five or four by six or whatever. Now they've actually got a nice, clean, digital, you know, version that they can, I, I send them out as eight by 12 at 300 DPI, which oh, okay. is certainly, yeah. you know, suitable for, for almost anything they want. Definitely. And uh, if they want a full scan, they can do that. If they want to, you know, post them on their site or, or on their Facebook page, you're certainly welcome to do that. So anyone who I can still get a hold of, uh, you know, who I think might be interested, I make sure that they have uh, they have the photos at their disposal. Yeah, that's so good. That's delightful. Um, Bermuda, thank you again for doing the show. Oh, for thank coming you, back. Uh, and I, I love that we got... <laughs> We didn't have to talk about the music. I would have loved to, but I love talking with you about the archive end of it because you're just, again, so organized, so detailed. Um, and I said this last time, but thank you for all your music. Thank you for keeping uh, this stuff alive and preserving it. It's a hugely important thing, especially in comedy, especially in comedy. Ah, well, it's, thank you. It's, it's massively well, important. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah!